This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking about one of those businesses that's a nonprofit business, you know, and, and it's funny, I always tell people nonprofit doesn't mean no profit, <laughs> and it certainly doesn't mean no money. And so they have the same challenges, the same goals, obviously, that a for-profit business has. But in many ways, obviously, they don't have the resources. And so when we find a nonprofit who is really knocking it out of the ballpark, it's so much fun to talk to them because they do have tips and information that they can share for other nonprofits, small business owners, and heck, even big business owners sometimes can learn from them. So please join me in welcoming Elizabeth Finch to our program today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Deb, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, this is going to be so much fun. I'd say that every program, but you know, this is going to be even better because we're talking about kitty cats. I love kitty cats. <laughs> I know, I know. So before we really start, though, let me tell people a little bit about you and, and where you are, are affiliated with. Okay. So, so Elizabeth Finch is the Vice President, Board of Directors, and Marketing Chair for Good Muse Animal Foundation. Good Muse is Metro Atlanta's first cage-free, no-kill cat shelter. This nonprofit dedicated to finding homes for good kitties is celebrating its 30th year of operation this year. Since 1988, Good Muse has placed approximately 9,000 cats into their Loving Forever homes. And full disclosure, we are one of those homes because we adopted Misty and Sunny from Good Muse way back in 2012. And so that is part of why I know a little bit about Good Muse, but they really are an absolutely fabulous organization. So again, Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. You know, it is, it's a challenge, obviously, for every business to get their messages out there. But in particular, it's very difficult for nonprofits because you do have limited resources. Many times you have volunteers, you have, you know, and, and they can't function without volunteers. So, you know, this is, is not a negative, but they often don't have someone who that is their job to every day be doing a social media post or, or all these various things. And so it does make it a challenge. But let me go back just a little bit. Why did you decide to get involved with Good Muse? Well, Good Muse is an organization that I've been familiar with for many years. Mm -hmm. I am a native to the Atlanta area and okay. to the Marietta area where we are located uh, back in 2005. And at the time, I was not really able to devote time to volunteering. I had a, a full-fledged real estate business that took up my, my weekdays and my weekends as well. But I was able to recently, within the past about three years, um, start devoting my time to this organization. And I devote it fully. I left the corporate world a few years ago. And after helping some family with some family business that we had going on, 
I then delved full-fledged into Good Muse because it is it is one of those organizations that I feel super passionate about. I feel mm-hmm. good about giving both my time and my money to this organization. Mm-hmm. I feel that the organization does a very good job of stewarding my money. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And recently, well, two and a half years ago, uh, recent for the organization itself, we moved into a brand new freestanding building that we were able to design from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's really, it's both a, it's both a haven for cats that may not have as much adoption chances uh, outside of our shelter, such as mm-hmm. an animal control or even a lot of other shelters. And we do a fantastic job of adopting out those cats that right. otherwise may not may not find homes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when we got our cats, you were at the the prior facility, and I was very impressed with it because it, it's it's very interesting. I mean, you know, when when you say cage free, you really do mean cage free. Now, clearly, there are some exceptions. Um, you know, when a cat first comes to the to your facility, they do need to be monitored, you know, all sorts of things like that. So it's not just, hey, we're going to turn this cat loose into this room. But you go in and they're big rooms and the cats are just milling about, which was very entertaining because, you know, some of the cats immediately were, you know, non-cat-like and came up and said, hello, how are you? <laughs> and then other cats were were not. But be, I think, you know, I was fascinated with that because, you know, and, and you know, I understand in, in various other, you know, types of facilities, clearly it, they have to do what they have to do, you know, so we're not saying it's it's a negative for, for them or anything. But the fact that you have the ability that the cats really can just roam free is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, and, and we mentioned that it's a no-kill cat shelter. Now, you know, we, we want to put people's minds at ease. Yes, there are times where, unfortunately, animals do have to be euthanized for health reasons primarily, you know, some things like that. So, you know, that it's, you know, there, and, but what that means is they're taken very, very good care of, um, you know, and, and, and some cats are there for, you know, a very long time because they're not adoptable or maybe they just didn't, you know, strike someone's fancy or, or something like that. So once they're there, you have them and and you will take care of them. I mean, that's that's the the key part of that. Yes, once they are at Good Muse, they have a home for life. Mm-hmm. Um regardless of whether that's through adoption or being housed with us their entire lives. Mm-hmm. We do have some cats that have been there for a number of years. Uh sometimes it's because of health issues that that can prevent them from being adopted mm-hmm. as easily as others. And sometimes it's just we have super, super shy kitties right. that neither ask for nor really want a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So that does happen on occasion. And yes, the only time that they are caged, we do have about a two-week quarantine period when they first come in. We have to make sure that they are disease-free, that they are fully vetted, that they are spayed and or neutered mm-hmm. and then we're able to release them out into the general population once we are sure that, that it is safe to do so. Okay. And then secondly, if we have a cat that does become sick with some communicable disease or an upper respiratory infection or whatever it is that, that could be contagious, then they are sent back to our isolation room 
But those are the only two times that that our cats are caged. Right. You know, and, and you do have some, some special rooms for cats that do need, you know, may, maybe they don't need all of that stimulus of the, the big rooms, um, you know, all these various things. But when I was there, what so impressed me was it was it was clean. You know, I don't know how many cats were there, but it was clean. You didn't walk in and go, ew. <laughs> you know? And I mean, you know, yes, there were litter boxes, you know, all these various, but but it's, it was clean. Clearly, the animals were, are, were all very healthy. I mean, you know, you're not going to adopt an animal that's not, but they were all very healthy, very happy. Um, you know, there were some that, like I said, came right up to you. Others that, you know, you were, were more reserved, but that they're cats. I mean, you know, that's just the way those things happen. And, and, you know, the volunteers were very helpful. And what I liked was we got to go in, my husband and I, and just spend time you know, figure out, and, and we wanted two cats uh, because, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, we they have to keep each other company, you know, all these various things. And and so we were allowed to take our time and really figure out, okay, who is going to fit best into our family? Exactly. And that's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on. Number one, the cage-free environment allows a potential adopter to come in and really get to know that cat's personality. Mm-hmm. That is not something that you can see when they are caged. Right. When a cat is caged, it it's not really allowed to exhibit its characteristics, its personality, its interactions with you. Mm-hmm. So that cage-free environment really allows for you to get to know the cat that you're potentially adopting. Mm-hmm. And we also pride ourselves on having really good training for our adoption counselors mm-hmm. and our focus Of course, we want to find homes for all of our cats, but we want it, moreover, to be the right fit for both the cat and the adopter. Mm -hmm. We want a happy union there. We want it to be the right cat for your household, and we want your household to be the right one for that cat. Mm -hmm. Because that that behooves everybody. Um, it's It's going to make for less returns. It's going to make for less animals out on the street. And it's really important to us that we try as best as we can to get it right the first time. Right. Well, and it's funny because our two cats were actually returned to you guys. Yeah. Um, the the lovely woman who adopted them had some financial difficulties and and became homeless. And you know the and part of it is you know the story of the the cats. Mm-hmm. And so you know they were telling us this this woman was absolutely crushed but she was living in her car and she really did feel that she she just could not give them the life that they wanted and so she brought them back. And you know and, and we felt so bad. You know it was like oh my gosh but um you know it was it it was so sweet of her to to say you know this isn't going to work i i need to take them back rather and know that they would be accepted back i mean that was the the critical part of that as opposed to just you know like i said she was living in her car she could have just opened her car door and said, you know be free be free she knew that you guys would take them back and provide a good home for them until again they they found their forever home yes we we tell every adopter upon adoption that we do intend for this to be a forever home and, and we do want the adopter to take it as a serious commitment. However, that being said, sometimes things just don't work out. Right. And you know, sometimes it's we we can't really judge that because mm-hmm. we are not in their shoes, so we don't right. really know their situation. 
but we make sure to always let the adopter know Mm -hmm. that once a good muse cat, always a good muse cat. Mm -hmm. Right. That we want you to keep in touch with us. We want you to let us know how our cats are doing because our volunteers really fall in love with all the right. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. so loved, and we love nothing more than updates and knowing that they're in happy homes and if. If there is a need for an adopter to relinquish ownership of that cat, we would rather it come back to us. Mm-hmm. We know it's safe. We know it's loved. And we know that we will do everything that we can to to find its perfect forever home from, from that point on. Right. So. That's 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 definitely something that we stress to adopters when when they finalize an adoption mm-hmm. because we do not want to make them feel like there would be no place to go. Right. Well, and as you said, no judgment. I mean, you know, this you know this woman became homeless, and it would have been horrible if she thought that you were going to go. What really? You know, or or whatever. She knew clearly that she could take them back. And it would be fine, um, you know, and, and but there there was actually a letter from her that came with them. And it was like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, and, and it was saying, you know, I love them dearly. Please take care of them. And uh, oh, yeah, it was it was it was very sweet, but it was it was very heartbreaking at the same time because she she just couldn't have them any longer. That's terrible. You know, and hopefully things worked out for her and they definitely worked out for us. And we love our kitties. They're such fun, such fun. Um, and. But, you know, part of, well, you know, so obviously, you know, I've, I've been very attached to Good Muse since we moved here. Um, you know, we are donors. We're not big donors, but we are donors. Love getting all your information. But in particular, I love your social media. And that was why, you know, I, I wanted to really get to know more about how you do this because I did notice a change. Must have been about when you came on board um, because it, the, things changed with, you know, with the posts and, and all of those various things. And what I love is there's a variety of posts. You know, you you have posts where you're talking about, you know, this this, this is, you know, picture that we got of, you know, this kitty and, and it's their forever home. Obviously, you talk about fundraising, all those various things. But you frequently do the posts from the perspective of the cat. And I love that because it really does suck us in, you know, and 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 make us see this. And and so it was funny. I was looking for an example post, and and some of them have fairly long stories. And so I kind of had to go down through for a while to to find one. So I love this post. This is one that was done in uh, earlier this year, and it says, and it's got this great picture of this yellow tabby, <laughs> and it says, "Hi everyone, my name's Cooper." I came to Good Muse a few days ago. I was a little scared and confused at first, but I'm starting to relax and feel a lot better. I had a home, but I was very unhappy there. There was a dog and we just didn't click. I was miserable. My family tried several things to make it work, but I just couldn't cheer up. They felt bad for me, so they reached out to Good Muse to see if they could find me a home where I would be more relaxed and happy. I'm so glad they said yes. I think I would really prefer a quieter home where I can just be me and not be scared. I liked the cats in my home, so I would do well with a family with other kitties. So won't you come by and meet me today? I would love to find a forever home soon. We'll be open for adoptions from one to four. Hope to see you. Check me out and all the other Good Muse kitties on the website. And then you give the URL. 
I love that. You know, people can read that and go, oh, this is, is perfect. And and I love that it's from the perspective of the cat. I mean, I always have to read all the posts. I think they're very cute. <laughs> but, you know, it, my point with this is this is something that I think many nonprofits should do is tell the stories. You know, just saying, hey, we have cats for adoption. Okay, fine. Hey, give us money. Okay, fine. Um, you know, all those various things. But when you start to tell the stories, that's where you really get people's interests. And and now granted, it is easier to tell stories when you're talking about animals as opposed to, you know, people, but you you can always tell the stories. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that you write these. Are you the, the person who writes them? Well, I cannot claim credit for most of the um from the cat's perspective post. Mm-hmm. That is actually, we do have a team that manages the social media. Perfect. Social Mm -hmm. media does fall under marketing. But the person who most often writes from the cat's perspective Mm -hmm. is Michelle Kirkham. Mm -hmm. And she is uh, one of the co-chairs of our adoptions committee. Okay. And this is really, this is one of our aspects of social media that does get the most response Mm -hmm. and the most kudos. Everybody always loves it from the, from the perspective of the cat. It's fun and it's light. And what I love about what she does is the approach that she takes. It's, it's generally upbeat. And even sometimes, occasionally we do have to share the sad stories. Right. Because they wouldn't be with you if there wasn't something sad. You know, maybe they were, you know, lost or, you know, wild or whatever. There, You know, there's something that got them to you guys. Right. And occasionally she will have to write one because we're trying to fund a surgery or emergency medical right. care for a cat mm-hmm. that has come into our care, uh, either by return or or just from the community in general. And occasionally when we have those situations, you know, a surgery can run thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. that was unexpected. Right. But we're not going to let that hold us back Mm -hmm. from from getting that cat what is necessary at the time. Mm -hmm. So Michelle will will create this. Well, she doesn't create the story, but she tells the story, but Mm -hmm. she does it from the cat's point of view. Mm -hmm. And even the sad ones, because one of the approaches that that I do not personally like, and and we do not really take at Good Muse, is the guilt approach. Right. Trying to make you feel guilty for this animal and open up your checkbook, because mm-hmm. I believe that our donors should feel good about giving to us. Mm-hmm. Well, then they- they'll give again. Hmm? Then they will give again. That's the important part. Exactly. Exactly. I I do not want to guilt our donors into giving to us. It may it may get us a donation that that one time, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't feel personally like they're going to feel good about it. So what I love about what she does is the way that she tells that story, even when it's sad, she's able to put a little bit of a positive light on it mm-hmm. and give the silver lining to that. Right. So she does a fantastic job of that. We have, we have a few Facebook admins. We have somebody who manages the Instagram and Twitter. So we kind of break everything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of what you'll see from me are going to be a lot of the fundraising posts and a lot of the marketing posts. 
Uh, Michelle gets the fun part of, <laughs> of, the, of the cat themselves, the cats mm-hmm. themselves. So. <laughs> but all of us, all of us do that. And it has been something that has been effective for us. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether it's Michelle sharing a story about the adoption hours or a cat who has come in that, that needs certain medical attention and we, we need funds for that. Um, we all kind of take a page from that book because we have seen that, that it's effective and people, people like it. Right. The way I kind of look at it is our followers follow our page for the cats. Mm-hmm. They love the cats. They love the pictures. They love the stories. They don't necessarily care who Elizabeth Finch is. No. They don't necessarily care who, who is writing them. Um, they, they want the content. Right. And, and you know, what I love is that you do have that variety of content. Um, you know, you've got, as we said, you know, volunteer information, you know, fundraising, things like that. I've talked with nonprofits before who felt like they couldn't ask, especially for money. And I said, I'm sorry, you're a nonprofit. It's kind of a given that you're going to ask for money. It's just in how you ask is is the way to do it you know and and whether you're showing okay for a hundred dollars you know this will do this and this and this um you know but you're right the guilt thing just doesn't uh, it doesn't appeal i uh watch a lot of late night tv and there's a commercial that runs every night and it runs you know multiple times where they're asking for money for seniors in russia and it it really is this guilt, you know, they're going to die if you don't send money type of thing. And, you know, and and obviously I've never donated. I mean, there's just it it's one of those things where when yeah, when you get too much guilt into the ask, people might do it, but they'll only do it once. And they're certainly not going to talk about it and share, you know, hey, look what I just did, you know, as opposed to, oh, my gosh, look what I did. I just sponsored a kitty (laughs) and, you know, or gave to, say, a children at the the hospital or whatever it is. You know, if, if you if you touch their heart as opposed to touching their guilt, you're much more likely to get a long term sponsor. That is that is my position on it as well. You know, and sometimes, yeah, we do have to kind of put the guilt in there. But again, it is in how you word it. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And it's just, it's one of those things like like you when I'm watching the late night TV and I hear the very, very sad song come on. I just, I, I have to turn it. Right. I cannot look at the animals in that condition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in the rescue world, I know that those things exist. Right. I'm fully aware of it, mm-hmm. but that's that's not what's going to make me feel good about giving. Right. You know, and, and it's interesting that you say that because we show dogs. So it's funny. We have our rescue kitties and our purebred dogs. Um, but so I'm but I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook who are you know supporters of animals in general and almost to a person. They all say. If you post you as in you, if you, my friends, post a picture of an abused animal, I'm going to unfriend you. Yes. And, you know, and uh, yeah, because I can't look at that. I mean, and and I just, it breaks your heart to see it. Um, I had a, a friend in Colorado who worked for one of the big shelters there and she, bless her. I mean, she worked with some of the absolute worst cases in the world, but she would post the pictures. 
And because the picture was so horrific, I could not read anything about it. So, you know, I didn't know, hey, they need $100, you know, because this dog was shot or, you know, $10,000 because of this or whatever. I just immediately went, no, no, can't see that, can't see that. And, you know, when you do post, I mean, clearly you have cats that come to the shelter with some problems, some issues, mm-hmm. but you don't focus on those. You know, it might mention it in their thing. It might say, you know, I, I had an injury. Okay, that's all you say. <laughs> you know? And and you show, you know, you're not showing that injury. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, if you were posting about people. I mean, if you were posting pictures, you know, if you're in a, a nonprofit that posts horrific pictures of people or kids, kids are even worse, um, people skip those. We cannot read those, you know, and, and, and we know it happens. I mean, you know, we're, we're not all Pollyanna. But as you said, there's a way to turn it into the positives so that that way people do read it and think, oh, okay, this is something that I need to to, uh, support. Well, I I feel like we try to approach it because if, if if you put out that horrid graphic photo, it's going to be immediately hidden mm-hmm. and you're not going to get your message across. Right. Your message will not be seen mm-hmm. because your message was that photo. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we try to make the message, the message. Mm-hmm. And there have been, we had, we did have an exceptional case um, going on about a year ago where we did post a photo where the cat was, you know, not in the, not in the best condition. There, mm-hmm. there were no, there were no wounds to be seen. There mm-hmm. was, there was nothing. He was just, he looked horribly sad and, and you know, mm-hmm. certainly not in the healthiest condition. Mm-hmm. He had been, he and his brother had been through a house fire. Oh dear. And had subsequently been, been boarded. Mm-hmm. And he was actually, he and his brother, they, they were good news kitties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had been adopted from us as kittens. And the way that we went about telling that story, we were able to raise all the funds that we needed for him because I had to take him immediately to the emergency vet as soon as he came onto the premises. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the, you know, we got the paperwork, we got our, all of that. And I immediately took him to the ER. He mm-hmm. needed a transfusion. Oh my. Uh, yeah. He needed immediate antibiotics. Mm-hmm. He needed, you know, he needed everything. So it it was it was a dire case, mm-hmm. um, and he ended up needing a feeding tube and and all sorts of stuff. But we were able to turn that in instead of focusing. We told the sad story, but instead of focusing on it and dwelling on it, we decided to let everybody know what their what impact their assistance would right. mean to mm-hmm. them. Well, and then I'm sure people were saying, hey, we need updates. What's happened? What's happened? Absolutely. And those were provided as well. Mm-hmm. So, And he, he, is, he is now adopted. He Yay. is in a very, very happy home with um, with one other good news kitty. And mm-hmm. she has she has some other kitties and, and a couple of dogs as well. But he's in a super happy home. He's happy. He's healthy. He has completely bounced back. You wouldn't even know he is the same cat now. Mm-hmm. And that's been a super happy outcome for him. But we we did along the way. We did provide updates, right. and we you know, and it might have not been a good update. Let's just be honest about that. Well, he had he he did have a couple of setbacks, mm-hmm. right? You know, 
he had his feeding tube taken out and then he had to have it put back in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, but, but even, even that we try to handle with, Oh, Oh, I thought I was done with it. Not quite. Darn. <laughs> Just to, to make it not, to not make light of it, right. but to, but to put a positive spin on it and to really find that silver lining, mm-hmm. because I really feel like that is what helps get the message across. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and speaking of the, the messages, I love the posts that you do from, you know, people saying, you know, here's, here's my cat that I got from you. I need to take pictures of mine. Um, and, you know, and, and showing that they're happy, they're healthy in their, their new homes. And because we want to see that too, you know, I want to see, well, where did this, this kitty go? And, you know, and let's be honest, you know, we all, we laugh and we joke that, you know, if you want to waste time, you, you spend time watching cat videos. There is something about cats. I mean, you know, now there are those people who don't like cats and clearly we're not speaking to those people, but you know, we, we, you know, I can just scroll through here and look at cat pictures forever. And, and it's funny, I belong to a Facebook group um, called just cats and that's, that, that is all it is. And people are posting pictures of their cats and, you know, I can just, yeah, I can sit and, and get sucked in and be, you know, spending hours reading there and just looking at all the cute cat pictures. And, and there are times where people are saying, Hey, you know, I've got this, this issue and I've had to do that. You know, we've, we've had some health issues with one of our cats. And so I posted there and said, you know what, you know, I'd like some feedback from the group and, you know, but yeah, we love looking at pictures of cats. I mean, you know, there's just something about that. And, you so it it does make it easier with what you do because we like pictures of cats. As I always say, cats cats on the internet, and the I guess the the downside to having a cat only nonprofit, um, dogs do get more of the funding. Mm-hmm. It is much easier right. to get funding for dogs, mm-hmm. but, but cats do on the internet. Mm-hmm. They really do. <laughs> Right. You would have thought they invented it, mm-hmm. but they have they have taken it over and and they own it. You know, and one of the things that you know that that obviously helps is that people don't have to be here to donate. Um, you know, they can be around the world. They can see the cute picture, hear the cute story. Um, you know, you've been raising funds for uh, a, a surgical suite, you know, all these various things. And so somebody somewhere can just see that picture, hear this, you know, hear this recording, all these various things and think, hey, you know, I can help. And, you know, and and really, it is one of those where it's, you know, any any level of support helps. But, um, you know, it's it's so much fun. And like we said, you know, cats, cats do well on the internet, you see the thing, y'all, y'all, it's a kitten, there's a picture here of these kittens. I'm like, oh, so now I, I could never volunteer. Because I'd come home with a different one every day. (laughs) That is that is what I initially thought Mm -hmm. uh, when I first started volunteering at Good News. I actually told my husband. I said, if I come home one Saturday and and tell you that I need help with something in the back of my SUV, (laughs) don't be alarmed when there are fifteen cats back Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. And of course, he looked at me. He gave me this look and said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> but but the the truth of it is is I feel no guilt whatsoever leaving those cats at night. I, they're so well cared for. Right. Mm-hmm. If I were to volunteer at at a county animal control or or whatnot, uh, that that would that would be a different story. Mm-hmm. 
But because they are so well cared for and they do have a home and they're not in danger of being euthanized for time or space, mm-hmm. I'm I'm completely fine with leaving at night. Right. My favorite one's a kiss on the head mm-hmm. and, and going home and, and being confident that that they're going to be well taken care of the next day too, because we have just to just to let you know a little bit about how Good News works behind the scenes, we have over 350 active volunteers. Holy schmoly. And only four paid staff positions. Mm-hmm. So our administrative costs are are really responsible and, and low. Right. We really do put that money toward the care of the cats. Mm-hmm. So we have two, you mentioned it being so so clean and even with litter boxes out among the place and whatnot. We have two crews that come in daily, 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. And it's usually about seven to eight folks on each crew. And they are nothing but clean and feed. They clean the shelter and feed the cats. Mm-hmm. And then we additionally have two crews of medical volunteers that come in twice a day usually the that's about two person on each shift and they they give the cats the medication that they require daily mm-hmm. we have we have some that are that are constantly on medication we have some that are occasionally on medication whatnot so they come in and medicate the cats so we have clean and feed we have medical volunteers and that's in addition to all of our adoption counselors and our outreach for community outreach and marketing and everything else that we have so we have we have a lot of folks dedicated daily just for the up upkeep and care of the shelter and the cats. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, as we mentioned, you feel fine going home. You know, you're not thinking, oh, what's going to happen to you know whatever. Right. And you know, and and you know, yes, those other shelters, you know, they need to exist. I mean, you know, let's just be honest about it. But it's not always the 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 best place um you know and and I got my two cats in uh when I was in Colorado from the humane society it wasn't the best place for them but you know it it was what it was and you know and and if those places didn't exist you know there'd be a a much bigger problem so um but but yeah that's again that was one of the things that really drew us to good muse was the fact that you know you walked in and you went oh okay and and I didn't feel too bad when we only left with two. I mean, you know, I was like making the decision really was hard. I mean, that was, that was, you know, obviously the the hardest part of the whole thing, but I knew that it, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to become the crazy cat lady because you guys uh, take care of the the cat so well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there, there really truly is a need for, for our County facilities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, they they truly serve a purpose and i have to i have to give it to the folks who work at those facilities it really takes a special kind of resilience to be able to do that right and it just god bless them mm-hmm. um they they are needed and they are appreciated and the good news is that we exist alongside them to serve as a resource for them because the majority of our cats do come from um, local animal facility Mm -hmm. pulls. Right. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, we work we work with the various ones throughout the metro area and even some of the more rural ones as as often as we are able. Mm-hmm. So even though we do have those community cases that we're able to work with and whatnot, the majority are pulled from animal control. Right. So by working through them, we're able to provide them some relief and then we're able to to do do a lot of the things that they do not have the resources and ability to to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how you get your messages out there. You know, you mentioned Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do you have different strategies for each platform? We do, and that's that's really something that I have been studying a little bit more lately since I came on as marketing chair. Mm-hmm. Our primary social media outlet is definitely Facebook. Um, we have over 8,400 followers on that. And what's interesting is when I take that and compare it to Instagram and Twitter, <clears throat> you can really see that the audiences are different. Right. And one of the things that I've noticed, Facebook, uh, our, our Facebook was created in 2011. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is one of the older accounts. Um, we, are, we are largely primarily female. In, in that, Instagram is, is like Facebook. Um, about 80-something percent of our following is female mm-hmm. and the rest male. Um, because, you know, cats are... They're more, more women tend to have cats. Yes, yes, that's, that's, that's absolutely the truth. And our our age demographic is a little bit older on Facebook than it is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so what I have found is that what works well for Facebook may not work as well for Instagram and vice versa. There are some things that I want to put solely on Instagram because it wouldn't be the best outlet for Facebook. Right. Your Instagram age, I, I kind of call it the attention deficit Mm-hmm. demographic. Um, you've got those, those younger than millennials between like 25 to 34 years old. And they're really processing that information a lot faster. Right. So they're also looking more for, for photos and short blurbs and they're looking mm-hmm. for the hashtags mm-hmm. and whatnot. So we, we really do. We have found that it's best to use the platforms differently and to realize that our posts are not for us. Mm-hmm. They need to be designed for our audience. Right. You know, and and that's what a lot of people, you know, nonprofit for, you know, for profit, they forget is, you know, they write what, what they want to hear, you know, and, and, or what they think, you know, they should be telling people. And and I say telling as in, you know, hey, you need to know this as opposed to what is it that you want to hear? What do you want to see? And of course, you know, with you guys, we want to see pictures of cute cats, um, you know, and, and so, you know, which obviously makes it very easy because you have lots of cute cats. I see my problem would be I would like use up all of the, the I would take, every, you know, a hundred pictures every day at least. Um, and so, but, but yeah, it's. I think that's one of the things that people struggle with is figuring out how to post on those different platforms. You know, I was just looking a quick back and forth here between your Facebook page and Twitter, a lot of the same images, but as you said, different stories, you know, you can write the long, here's how I came to live at Good Muse story on Facebook. 
And on Twitter, it's, hi, I'm the cat of the month. (laughs) And, you know, because we're on Twitter for those short bursts of information, you know, and if they want more, I'm sure they, you know, they know, you know, or they, they can click over to the the Facebook page and, and read more about it. But yeah, they, they, they're there for that, that little snippet of information. As you said, the hashtags, you know, they, they want to be able to sort and look quickly. They are. And I would, as far as Twitter goes, I would say that that's probably what we have the biggest challenge with mm-hmm. um, for both gaining gaining followers and, and whatnot. Um, our two primary ones really seem to be first Facebook and then Instagram. Mm-hmm. Twitter seems to be more of a challenge. Um, and I wouldn't say that we really have it figured out yet. Twitter usually is reposting the, the, the Facebook stories and putting the photos on there, mm-hmm. but we just do not see the level of activity or engagement on Twitter that we see on Instagram and Facebook. Right. And one of the things that I like to do, uh, especially when trying to determine what our audience wants to hear, is that I try to look at not only the likes and the comments that we get, but also mm-hmm. those more in-depth stats, particularly on Facebook. This is available. Mm-hmm. That's available on each post and it will show how many hid that post. Right. It will show how many chose to hide all posts mm-hmm. from from that post or even if they chose to unlike the page from a particular post. Mm-hmm. So then we can go back and, and look at it a little bit deeper and try to figure out, okay, what what was it that that made somebody unlike us based on this post? This was right. this was the final straw. This was it. Mm-hmm. This was the last time that they wanted to hear from us. Mm-hmm. Um, did they hide that post? Did they hide all posts? What what was it? And even though not everybody is going to be happy with every single thing that we post, you you, you can't please you can't please everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not mean that you cannot take some tips and learn from those that you didn't please. Right. You know, was it that it was really long or, you know, whatever? And businesses and, you know, nonprofits, everybody should be doing that. You know, what what posts do people like? Therefore, what should we post again? And, ooh, what should we be avoiding? Yeah, yeah. Because I I want to know what our followers do and do not want to see. Mm-hmm. That's what I right. find helpful. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that we have found helpful is being consistent as much as possible with our posting schedule. We have three of us who post regularly on Facebook. Okay. We actually keep a schedule for that. We have, Mm -hmm. you know, we try not to do more than three posts a day and we keep a schedule. Who's going to take the morning? Who's going to take the afternoon? Who's going to take the evening and and whatnot? And depending on what we have going on, either adoption wise or event wise, we try to adhere to that schedule as much as possible and just be mm-hmm. consistent with the posting. One of the things that I found with Instagram is that your followers don't necessarily care how much you post. You have some accounts that do super, super well by posting 40 times a day. You have others right. that do super well by posting four times a week. The mm-hmm. key seems to be consistency. Right. Pick a lane and choose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and keep doing it. Well, yeah, it, because if people... Ha- have to go look for it, they're not going to because they will get sidetracked by something, usually a cat video. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, you know, if if I'm thinking, well, you know, what did, 
you know, business X post and I haven't seen them for a while and I'm going to go look for them. And, oh, look, there that is. You know, and, and granted, I am, you know, one of those squirrel type of people. <laughs> but, you know, by keeping it consistent, people know, oh, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, we like consistency. We are creatures of habit. You know, I want my newspaper. And yes, I still do get a newspaper delivered in the morning. You know, all these various things. And when things get off, it's like, ugh, you know, wait a minute. Um, you know, and, and, and of course, consistency then, because they're looking for those posts, they're going to comment, they're going to like, which will keep those posts showing up in their, their uh, feeds. Right. Right. And that's, that is one of those areas where Facebook differs a little bit from Instagram. And I think it's due to that difference of attention spans in, mm -hmm. in our general audiences there is that Facebook, our Facebook followers tend to come and they, they want to see who's adopted. They want to see who's mm -hmm. available for adoption. They don't want to have to scroll through 40 posts to find one thing that they're looking for. Right. Um, they want that consistency. And we have, we have found that three, occasionally four, when we have to post mm -hmm. a day will, will help keep that consistency. Mm -hmm. Instagram, on the other hand, it's, it's, it moves so quickly that it's a lot easier to use that a little bit more, I don't want to say sporadically, but we can, mm -hmm. we do not have to be quite as mindful um, if we do more posts in a day than, or, right. or in a week than normal. And same thing with Twitter, more. you know, there's, there's just more there. Mm -hmm. There is. Everything moves so much faster that it's, and I, I think that's probably one of our, one of our challenges with Twitter is that everything does move so fast that depending on how many Twitter accounts somebody follows, I think you're probably only going to scroll so much. Mm -hmm. And if you follow accounts that post 40 times a day and others that post 30 times a day, and then ours is buried under there, you know, mm -hmm. right. You know, they, they may not get to it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's talk, you know, it's funny. I'm looking on your website right now at your cat, a log, <laughs> yes. you know, you got to love it when, when real words, you know, work well like that. <laughs> um, and, and so you've got pictures of the cats and clearly some of them, there are a couple here who, you know, a couple that don't have, you know, are, are missing an eye, some things like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I love that people can look at this before they ever come to visit, uh, you know, and, and, you know, all these various things and it's cute. I'm, mean, you know, oh, here's one, his, his little ear sideways. Okay. Um, you know, see, see, I got sidetracked. <laughs> um, but also what I see on the site is you do several programs and, and I love these programs. You know, I'm always seeing them on Facebook that aren't particularly cat related, but it gets people to your facility. And so I want to talk about those. And, and I, I, I'm bringing this up because other nonprofits can do things like this too. You know, it's, it's kind of the think outside the box thing where you're getting the benefit of people coming to the facility for something that you never would think of. So though you have two programs and, and that you do on an ongoing basis. And one is yoga. Mm -hmm. And then the other is reading with the cats. So talk to us a little bit about both of those, because again, I want, you know, other organizations to see, Hey, you know, what could we do that that is different that can get some interest? Well, here's what's interesting about programs such as that you wouldn't think that they have so much to do with the cats, but, but they do, they do. It's actually a mutually beneficial mm -hmm. relationship uh, for yoga. 
and the reading to cats. It's it's they're both a lot of fun, and one is geared more toward adults. One is geared more toward kids, of course. The yoga, of course, you get you get a one hour session with a certified yoga instructor. And this is great for folks who are maybe new to yoga because it is a beginner level class. Mm-hmm. And we also don't take it too seriously. Right. I mean, because you're in with the cats. I mean, that's what we want to point out. And, yeah. and so you're trying to do, you know, a, a yoga pose and and there's a cat that's standing on you or whacking at your ponytail or you know whatever it is exactly or crawling into your bag or uh-huh. what, what's interesting about the yoga is that the minute our participants come in and spread out the yoga mat usually within three seconds there's a cat on it right um i don't know what it is about the yoga mats but they absolutely love them mm-hmm. so you're able to get down on their level it's not as it's not as much of a pressure as some yoga classes are because some people are really into yoga and it can be intimidating for right. those who are not quite as familiar with it or who may mm-hmm. be complete beginners. And being there with the cats, it just it makes it fun, it makes it light, it mm-hmm. makes it you know, you can you can have a laugh while you relax. You know, because you definitely get your giggles in there as well. And then when you, I, I love it. You call it downward cat downward as cat. opposed to downward dog. <laughs> exactly because you know you can't call it downward dog. dog. That'd be horrible. <laughs> but it has been it has been a great program, and it is a fundraiser for us because all of the funds raised for class registrations go directly to the care of the cats. Mm-hmm. So that's been a great program for us. And then when you look at reading to cats. The reading program is really super interesting because it is designed to help first through eighth graders with their reading skills. Right. So you've got, this is especially our weekday sessions are great for homeschooled kids. Mm -hmm. And then we also have weekend sessions and then we have sessions during spring break and whatnot where the public school kids can, can come as well. Mm -hmm. But in both of those programs, what happens is that the participants are getting on the same level as the cats. Right. Typically when you come in for adoption days and whatnot and regular regular visits to the shelter, it doesn't really have you on the floor with the cats. Mm-hmm. These programs have you on the floor with the cats. And I think that's one of the things that the cats find so appealing about it is that you're on their level. Right. And what's been so fantastic about the program, not only the benefits to the humans, but the benefits to the cats have been invaluable because you get a lot of the shyer cats that feel much less intimidated when those participants are on their level. Mm-hmm. And it really helps. And they're little people. Well, it, yeah. And it really helps with their socialization. Mm-hmm. We have had cats come out for yoga programs and for reading programs that you never see otherwise. Right. And once they come out and they, ch- Oh, what's this yoga about? What's, what's this, what's this cool mat? What is this woman doing? You know, or there's this, there's this kid reading to me on a blanket on the floor. I'm going to go check this out. Mm-hmm. They build their confidence. Right. And they, well, they, they get adopted quicker because mm-hmm. their shyness dissipates. Mm-hmm. And it's good, you know, and it's it's good for the kids, you know, maybe they're not around uh, cats in particular. And so this is a, a good way for them to be exposed to cats. Um, you know, and, and we do want to note that you only have adoption 
adoptions, you know, people coming in for adoption at certain times on certain days. It's not, you know, you just walk in at any point in time. So that's why you can have these programs. You know, you're not having somebody wandering through saying, oh, I want that cat as, you know, this child is trying to read to it. So that's what really makes this unique is that, you know, it, it is a time where it is just, you know, these kids sitting here reading. And and that's, you know, I, I have shared this several times with my friends who do homeschool their kids just as a way to get out and be doing something different, um, you know, and, and having fun with it. And, you know, as you said, spring break, all those various things. Same thing with yoga. You know, if you if you guys weren't so far away, I'd come do yoga. But you know, it's it, you're you're a ways away from me. But maybe that's what I need to do is do yoga and tour. So yeah, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, it's these are programs that benefit both the attendees and the cats. Um, and and as you said, they were very well thought out to work for the cats. I mean, you know, it's not that you're having them come in and, and do something that, that, you know, is, is too active or, you know, really doesn't pertain to the cats. I mean, these, these are people doing yoga with the cats weaving in and out of their legs, you know, the, the kids sitting down reading to the cats. So, you know, that's, that is why these, these were specifically designed. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we've only got about five minutes left. Oh, holy schmoly. <laughs> what other things, you know, what can you share just maybe for anybody who is working for a nonprofit, struggling with how do we get our message out there? Well, one one of the things that that we did that I'll that I'll touch on is that we did do a recent website redesign. Okay. And this was really this was my initiative. Um I, I took it on and it was, it was a pretty big monster, <laughs> but um, we had, we had somebody who is much more proficient in actual website development than I am, but I know, I know a little bit about WordPress and I've, I've taken on a lot of it in the last year, but I felt like it was important for our online presence to match our physical presence. Right. And especially when we built our new facility, um, our online presence no longer reflected our physical presence. Right. And by that, we mean high quality. I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it it has to look as good as it possibly can. Um, you know, and, and now it's tricky. I Many years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society and we discovered one of the things, that, the issues that we had was if it looked too good, people went, well, wait a minute, why am I donating? <laughs> but if it looked the other way, you know, if it was, they went, well, we donated money and they can't even, you know, they can't even do this. So it is kind of a fine line, you know, but it does have to reflect the organization. And, and you know, if I'm going to give money, if I'm going to give time, when I go to somebody's website, I'd better, you know, even if it's a nonprofit, I'd better be able to at least get the basics. You know, I want to know about the organization. I want to know what they do with the money that I give or, you know, all these various things. And, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the website right now as we're speaking, it is a nice website. I can find stuff on there very easily. I can find, you know, you've got your financial statements. All of those various things are on here without me looking at this going, they must have spent a fortune developing the website. Right. Because actually we, we spent very, very little. We've actually now right. cut our website costs down. Um, mm -hmm. simply by using the new tools that are available. You know, we, we built everything right. on WordPress. 
Um, mm-hmm. It was a large undertaking, but we employed tools that actually offer tools to nonprofits at either discounted mm-hmm. or or free. So right. we were able to to do that. And the the catalog that you mentioned that was actually a huge labor of love by the developer that I worked with pro bono um, mm-hmm. that she had to go in and learn how to use the tools that I found. And I said, Hey, can we make this work? This is what I have to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did such a fantastic job of making it work. She doesn't even, she doesn't even do this as her normal job. She's a, she's an administrator, but she just, she loves good news. And mm-hmm. she was invaluable help in getting this website redesigned for us. So it was it was really just a matter of using the right tools and coming up with a design that that looked like it belonged to us. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the you know as you said that's key. It it looks like it you know, it, it matches you guys, you know, and, and whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit business, if there's a disconnect with, you know, say an online presence, and then you, you look at them in person or, you know, you get a business card and you go to their website and it's like, wait a minute, these, these are different logos. You know, all these various things, they all have to match. You know, it's just a little bit more of a challenge sometimes in the nonprofit world, especially if you're dealing with volunteers, because they have limited time, limited resources, things like that. But it still is absolutely critical that you have all of those components. It is. And it's, it's a matter of branding. That's, that's, that's been Mm -hmm. one of my kind of pet projects, you know, coming on is just making sure that we have, we have our branding right and that we're consistent with our message and, and with what we're putting out there. Because I, I feel like if you do not have that branding consistency, then Organizations that do not have that, they may be seen as as sloppy or unorganized, regardless of whether they are or not. Right. You know, and, and it can be a challenge, especially when we mentioned, you know, you're dealing with volunteers to get that consistent messaging, you know, all the and, and so sometimes it means you have to review everything they do. Um, you know, that's okay because you want the best thing for the Absolutely. organization. Absolutely. And we have, you know, I, I cannot say enough good things about our volunteers. We have volunteers who have been with us um, 20, 25 years, 15 years, 10 years, and we're bringing on new ones all the time as well. But this is one of those organizations that I feel the attrition rate is, is small. Um. Mm-hmm. So many other organizations that I've been involved in, the attrition rate is is pretty high. And there's just, there's something special about good news that our volunteers are super dedicated and they love the cats. They love the organization. They love the mission. And we really, really appreciate it because we could not do what we do without them. Right. I mean, you mentioned you have several hundred mm-hmm. volunteers. Yep. Over 350 active. So Holy good news fun. would not exist without our volunteers. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and clearly you treat them well. And that is, is you know, the, what we want to leave people with is if you are a nonprofit, you absolutely have to treat your volunteers well. You know, don't ever take them for granted. Now, sometimes, you you know, you, you might have to fire them. Things happen. Um, but 
you know, they will continue to be a volunteer when they feel appreciated. So, you know, make them, you know, don't, don't take their time, their efforts, whatever for granted, because they could go somewhere else. You know, that's, that's the thing to remember is they really can go somewhere else right. really pretty easily. So Elizabeth, one last thing, what can you tell us one quick little factoid about Good Muse that, you know, we might not know? Well, one little factoid about Good Muse. I know, I just oh, put you on the spot. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, we are, as as you said, we are celebrating 30 years this year, and we will have our 30th year gala coming up in the fall, which we're super excited about. It's going to be held on November the 10th at Villa Cristina. I believe I have that date right. Um, so we're... Well, it'll be in the fall. <laughs> the information will be on your website and on all your social it media. It will be. I'm it sure. will be. We're in the, We're still in the planning stages right now, but we are very, very excited about that because it will be at Villa Cristina, and um, it will be our our thirtieth year. This is a this is a big a big feat for really any nonprofit. It's a, a big milestone. Right. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, and, you know, we want to encourage people, whether you're, you know, here in Atlanta or anywhere around the world, check out the website, which is Good Muse, like cats go meow, you know, so goodmuse.org. You can donate. I mean, you know, clearly there's there's something there, but just check them out. Look at their cute cat pictures. Um, it was funny. One of your videos started to play as I was looking through it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it is something that you can learn from if you are another nonprofit. You know, it's it's it great information. Check them out online. All their links are there. Um, you know, normally I ask my guests to tell us how they can connect with you, but we really want people to connect with good news. <laughs> and you can find Elizabeth's contact information there too. Yes, yes, we definitely definitely want you to connect with Good News. I am I am only one part of of the cog of the organization. <laughs> And seriously, there's just all sorts of cute cat pictures. So I am Deb Creer. I've been having the best time. See, I told you it'd be so much fun talking with Elizabeth Finch of Good Muse. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.